This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, snowflakes. And we are face-to-face. It's you- lovely. They've reunited. L- they've let me out of my underwater bunker. Thank you for putting up with that. We're working on it. But we are back with our actual kit, and you can hear us much better this week, I hope. Yes. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm not so bad. I'm enjoying the hot weather. All these people who go, oh, please rain, I need it to be colder. What are you talking about? There's a lot what of... What are you um, talking about? I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a colourful printed shirt. You look like you... Which is, looks, obviously... It's Good on, looks good on the podcast. It's perfect podcast wear. You're straight uh, from the beach. I've got shorts on. You have. Um, and um, but I tell you what, I, I, I ate. I had quite a bit of cheese last night. And you know, <laughs> you have those weird cheese dreams. Well, I don't get this, but I know that people do. So I had this. I had the. I had a load of cheese, and then I had the weirdest dream. I I dreamt after eating loads of cheese that Liz Truss, <laughs> the the international trade secretary, had given up on a, a, a deal with Japan that would protect our 15 billion of imports because um, because she felt that the rules regarding Stilton were unfair. It's amazing, isn't it? That it's is weird. a disgrace. Imagine if... It, <laughs> <laughs> that is a disgrace. Oh, what a, is what she, an she's afternoon obsessed, do we think? Uh, she certainly is uh, obsessive and obsessed, yeah, yeah. There you go. What do you think of Joe Biden's... Uh, vice presidential selection i have to say i don't know a lot about this uh this woman i haven't as yet i usually american politics i find um 
I, I think I know a reasonable amount about English politics, and because I know that, I find it, I find American politics sometimes a little bit baffling, and it's difficult to get my head around. So I don't usually check into the presidential race really until about now. Yes. Um, so I'll be I'll be doing my homework and 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 finding out more. But I think yeah, good choice. It's good to see. It's good to see um, a, a woman of colour. Um, I think um, I don't know much about her background or whatever, but I think it's a strong it's a strong team. I'm not massively sold on Biden, if I'm honest. Um, but I think, you know, fart in a jar would be better than the Trump we've got. <laughs> a good thing about her is that her, her first name means lotus in Sanskrit. Ah. I don't know whether her mum and dad were very keen on British Formula One teams, but it does. It means lotus in Sanskrit, oh, which, cool. which means that if... <laughs> Something unfortunate happens to Joe, or, or she succeeds. She will be Lotus Potus, <laughs> President of the United States, which would be amazing. Yeah, that would um, be that would be great. We don't wish any harm on Mr. Good. Biden, of course. No, um, no. It's, uh, it, it's no, been we a, wish only good. Only good. Um, I was looking at, you, but you, I know that you. So you don't take much of an interest in this, but. Well, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. I'd say I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a, a casual. I'm very interested, but but casually. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I knew this. I knew this girl once when I worked to, um, in London who was absolutely obsessed. She knew more about American politics. She doesn't need to have even been to America. Just oh, okay. completely obsessed. Not like that. Um, I liked the West Wing. You know. That's, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was looking at. Do you know what five thirty eight is? Five thirty eight dot com. Five thirty eight is uh, is a site that takes a lot of polling data right um and it sort of works out the probabilities of okay winning do you know what it, and they give you a, ch- a percentage chance obviously yeah and they've run forty thousand simulations of the u.s presidential election which happens in early november uh-huh. so they've run forty thousand simulations of it and Trump wins twenty nine percent of the time. How really? Can, how can this I, be possible? You know, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not entirely shocked, and I still think I still think Trump's going to win or steal it. I think I think you know I think that's what's going to happen. I still think Don I think Donald Trump will do two terms. Well, amazing. I was so, I never thought Donald Trump would win the first time round. I was so shocked that I, know, I, I, shock. I simply I can't see Biden winning it. Um, he'll find a way. It might not be the normal way of winning <laughs> an election. Think it will be with the national guard, but he will find a way. I'm, I'm sure of it. And, it, and that is a, that is a scary thought. Especially, I've got a very good friend of mine and, and friend of the podcast. Um, shout out to Neil Ray. Listens every week mm-hmm. um, in from Texas, and um, he uh, is very worried about this. You know, if you're actually on the ground in America, and uh, and there is, you know, there is talk about him saying, "Oh, you can only have postal votes in Florida, and one is for the date back." And I just don't think I think that this election is unlikely to happen in November, quite frankly. But well, know. that's it. That's interesting. I mean, that's, I did see something uh, yesterday, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but the the numbers of people who say when you when you ask people whether they're going to vote postally or in person, the the, the the vote splits about 75-25 um, postally for Biden and mm. in person it splits 75-25 twi- for, for Trump. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously a, an awful lot of people are planning to vote in uh, postally this, despite what Trump... Well, this is why Trump is saying... Of course, yeah. It's, yeah, all, a, it's yeah. all a fraud. Yeah. Um, talking of frauds, mm. did you, have you seen what Nigel Farage is now saying about Brexit? Uh, <laughs> he's opposed to it. He said... <laughs> A deal will be reached in the coming months. Where we see talking about the the, the, the 
with the trade uh, talks with the EU, he said, uh, but it will be one in which we have continued financial liabilities through the European Investment Bank and one in which we will not be truly free in areas such as state aid. So what was the point of Brexit then? Well, what is the point of Nigel Farage? (laughs) Frog. He said frog face. Frog face, fool. (laughs) Before we get any complaints, that was frog. Yeah. Frog face, children. What was the point in all of that? Um, we, we got a podcast out of it. We did, we did. There is a silver lining to every cloud, although that is a bloody big cloud. Mm. Um, what about? Um, well, I mean, should we stick on Farage because he's been—he's obsessed, obviously, with dinghies and he is and just, going into hotels and saying you're all staying here, you're illegal migrants. Well, you're not, they're not illegal migrants. Are they? they're, they're people who are claiming asylum. Yeah. Um, it's been a fairly depressing week all around, hasn't it? On on that score, lots of pictures of Nigel Farage just sort of angrily looking out to sea. I mean, this is his new hobby, obviously, spotting yes. people on inflatables. Um, what, what, what did you think about... Another debate around this, and this was, uh, I think it was Tuesday morning, wasn't it? Yes. Um, the figures of people who were claiming asylum actually are quite interesting, aren't they? Um, but perhaps uh, perhaps we'll get to that. Um, but we saw a, a, a debate going on, on, certainly on social media, about news crews out there filming these poor souls who were yes. desperately trying to get to the to the UK and I think I think w- my view is that they are indeed poor souls and they will be their their claims will be assessed when they get here mm. my main concern is that they arrive here alive not whether they're yes. here for the right purposes we'll, we'll f- we can figure that out in the days and weeks and months to come um, I'm split on this one I have to say as a journalist um, but there was a lot of the BBC, especially, but Sky were out there as well, and the Press Association were out there filming yeah. as well, um, filming these people arriving. What's your take on it? I, it? It was an easy viewing, but does that make it wrong? Uh, well, I think the, I mean, the, the the clip of Simon Jones, who's the BBC journalist, is it, is it BBC Breakfast? I believe or, so. Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah. I, so uh, I don't I don't know anything about Simon Jones. Uh, uh, in particular, the clip that has been replayed endlessly on social media of him nearby and saying, look at these people, they're bailing out their boat with a tin can or whatever he said, um, is extremely... Um, I mean, it, I guess he would say it's taken out of context and part of a much broader yeah. report, but I think if we if we saw... some. Uh, uh, you, you would like to think that if you were near a ship that were, a boat that was taking on water, your first instinct might be to offer assistance rather than to comment on um, how amazing it was that they were bailing. I mean, something they didn't out with seem. I mean, we've, to be fair, they, they weren't. They, no one was in the water. I've bailed out a fair few boats in my time, but I wasn't trying to seek asylum. Obviously, I don't know whether they'd offered assistance before or had been turned away or whatever. I thought Sky handled it better. I don't know if yeah. you saw the Sky report. And I'm not having a go at Simon Jones, I'm really not. And no. I'm not having a go at the Beeb. I think these things happen and, and hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, th- I think Sky handled it better. They asked them, yes, with a mic pointed at them, but indeed mm. where they were from and were they okay and, and, and that sort of thing. And I think it was handled better. Um, for those people saying it's not journalism, I think that's wrong. I think it is journalism. I think these people have a have a, a, a we as a profession have a, a duty to report it. I don't think we should be making comment, particularly on on the the rights and wrongs of of people arriving and et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think that was the case in either of these reports. Um, but but if we ignored it, we would also get a kick in. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't 
you can't uh, you can't do right for doing wrong. The other slight issue I've got with it, and of course, if a boat sinks and you're on a boat, and the captain, obviously, on the, certainly on the sky boat, when they identified one, rang the coast guard. That was the first thing he did. Mm. I mean, it isn't journalists' jobs to, you know, I don't want to say help, but our first our first job is to view and report. Yes. Um, and of course, famously, obviously, if someone was in the water and in distress, we would we would help them up without a second thought. I think anyone, any human would. But of course, when you when you're at war, you're not loading up the uh, the missiles for no, the for no, the people not, looking no. after you. That would be very much frowned upon. In fact, there was a famous, is it in dispatches the yes, Vietnam book? Yeah. Very famous um, instance there where they were they were catching some heavy fire, and the journalist just sort of grabbed a gun and helped out. I think or was loading up the. Yeah. I mean, that is a real no-no. Now to say I wouldn't do that in that situation, I can't tell you. You know, your life's under threat. So. It isn't. It is the job of the coast guard, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to help these people, rather than the journalistic profession. And it isn't our job. We shouldn't be ignoring it. I think what I would say is that the tone is so important. Mm. And I think perhaps that was what was missing in the in the BBC report that maybe Sky got. There right. was a little air of excitement about the whole thing, which and and, and listen, I wasn't watching it live. I've only I've only seen the clip. That the the clip is the the clip is a bit unseemly. Isn't it is. It? It, it's not. It's not. Ni- it's not nice viewing. And I imagine that, again, in hindsight, they will do it differently next time. Yeah. Um. You know, this is live reporting. It happens. It, it's not something that you do and then necessarily get much time to edit and think about. Um. And I can see why people were were perhaps upset. But I also think that they've got to understand the other bits behind it that that come along with being a, being a journalist. And um. It, you know, it's not. If if we didn't do it, then I think that would be wrong as well. And uh, you know, ignoring difficult things isn't isn't what journalism is about. And hopefully, a lot of people, certainly I did, saw those people on the boat and just felt horror at the fact that they're cramming into dinghies and yeah. willing to take that risk. Um, you know, it's no pleasure cruise, that is it? Twenty two miles and, and probably more from where they were where they were coming, because they won't have gone around the shipping, big shipping routes, will they? No, absolutely and not. And, yes, all right, I think we've seen an increase, supposedly, in the last few weeks. That's probably because it's hot and sunny and nice, but people are doing this year-round, and that is, the, that is the scary thing, because it is only a matter of time before there's a, a, a huge tragedy. Um, and I have huge sympathy for these people, uh, absolutely massive sympathy, and, the, you know, the stuff about put barbed wire and i mean what i mean are you are you human it is uh, send the navy down there what uh, if anything yeah send some ships down there to make sure they're arriving alive well what what is sending a big gunship well what are they supposed to do the navy's not going to start shooting them out of the water no so what that is just frankly disgusting um political showmanship for voters back home well, exactly. I mean, you've got to look at the you've got to look at the context of this, haven't you? Which is, you know, which is something that, well, I think we as a country are in the are in the state that we are in with our um, in relation to how we perceive immigration uh, and um, the uh, claims for asylum. Um, we are in this position, and we can talk about a very disturbing. I think it's a YouGov poll in a second, but we're in this because of uh, because a lack of 
context we, we've seen we've seen emotive images Nigel Farage is um, uh, is specializing in these emotive images at the, at the moment with with what he is doing and now um, his crusade has been picked up by uh, the national media because frankly there's not a great deal else to talk about um, and um, the context is that so far this year I think there have been I mean you're right applications for asylum are up there have been about 35,000 applications for asylum this year uh, that I think that is it might be double or or one and a half times uh, what it was last year um, but Germany claims for asylum in Germany last year was you know there were 165,000 France 130,000 Spain 120,000 uh, that is you know all much much more than uh, the, the, than we are facing and, uh, and when people say well the other European countries are not doing <coughs> enough and we're doing uh, much more uh, they are completely misguided and that leads to these really horrendous figures in this in this poll you know when you read this poll you talk about despair at the, the idea that 29 29 times out of 100 Donald Trump wins the next US election you know when I, f- I feel utter despair when you look at this poll 22% of Britons say they have little sympathy with the uh, the boat migrants 27% say they have no sympathy 50% say Britain has no responsibility to help 46% say Britain has done more than other countries, every other country uh, in the EU to accommodate asylum seekers. And, and you know, this, these things are, are plainly not true. And it is utterly remarkable that the government, on one hand, is saying that Dominic Cummings, right to do what he did, he thought it was the best for his family, and then we are demonising these people who have got no hope uh, they are coming from um, areas where their lives are in danger um, and they are trying to do what they perceive to be is, is best for their family, having been exploited into it by gangmasters. It really is uh, quite sickening. And, and it, it, you know, those, those figures particularly make me really sad. Yeah, they're, 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 not, they're not nice at all. And I think... Um, w- w- I don't think any, there have been, I think, obviously, we're, I imagine we're preaching to people who will largely agree with us, uh, Steve, with Yeah, with if you don't, to this. come on, come back at me, bro. <laughs> Absolutely. But there's also, the, the left annoy me probably as much as the right, quite frankly, and um, there was some stuff I saw on social media earlier this week calling out all the Labour MPs who had uh, voted in favour of um, action against Assad yes. um, in, in Iraq and saying, you know, these guys wanted it to be, these guys were for it and that's the reason these migrants are turning up. Now you'll remember, of course, <clears throat> that Ed Miliband sort of um, changed his mind at the last minute and we didn't take any action yes. against Assad. I personally um, I'm, I'm not anti-intervention when it comes to, yes, we got Iraq wrong, um, but we got Kosovo right, and I think actually we could have stopped the suffering of these people if we'd gone in there and sorted Assad out when we had the chance. Um, so um, they're fleeing your bombs is something I keep seeing on social media, and I think maybe a little bit more research mm. needs to be done on things like that. And certainly Labour MPs who voted for action against Assad did not vote for action against human beings who lived in Syria. They were trying to, they were trying to stop 
this dreadful outcome and uh, it will carry on as long as despots like Assad are in, are in power I, I certainly should imagine um, and I agree with you completely about the what is best for your family does anyone really think that someone one day work, wakes up and they're in, a be- they're in a beautiful four bed house in, in Syria somewhere having a lovely time children running off to school and yeah, yeah. you know skipping down um, tree lined streets with not a care in the world and having a wonderful lovely breakfast and then saying do you know what? I'm going to give this all up. Yeah. I'm going to walk across Europe. Trek across Europe. I'm going to get into a crappy dinghy. dinghy that I need to bail out with a tin can and risk my life just to get to England. Mm. No, they're not. They're doing it because they're desperate. Um, and yes, there has to be rules and laws around um, around immigration and things like that. I'm not saying that we should. Uh, it should be a free for all. But if someone's life is in danger, whether that because of their political views, sexuality, whatever, then they are more than welcome, as far as I'm concerned, in dear old Blighty. Um, yes. And, and uh, all, you know, they can come and join me and, and have a drink. And do you know what? I feel like a drink now after that. Do you? And, we can, and the, the news doesn't get much happier, does it? So <laughs> should, should we treat ourselves and have a beer? Why not? Yeah. yeah right, right. We've, oh, I've, we've already poured these out. So we, we have. Our friends at Beer 52 are very kindly sent us some beers to test. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Beer 52. So, we're coming to the end of the summer, Steve. Can you believe that? It feels like it's only just started, really, doesn't it? But we are indeed coming to the end, um, and it has been uh, a a bizarre one, let's put it that way. Um, But what better way to celebrate? Maybe August Bank Holiday's coming up. Maybe you're having a barbecue. There's still a Champions League final. Maybe you want to have a few few beers. Um, Maybe there's been no Glastonbury. No Latitude, which is my festival of choice. You mm. like the Red Rooster Festival, don't yeah. you? Hasn't happened. Maybe we could have a little socially distanced festival in our gardens. And what better way, what better way than to order some beers from Beer 52? Because it's they're, they're beer for any occasion. Now, we've got a little offer for you. Oh. Yes, that's right. Um, beer 52 are offering new European listeners eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free no yeah for free all you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash new that's beer and the numbers 52.com forward slash new as in new european yeah you don't have to cover the 595 postage but these are this is a bulky thing you know Mm -hmm. beer is beer is heavy so that's fair enough um, now, Beer 52 is it's the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. We're going to discover a pair right now. Um, they've got more than uh, 150,000 members. And what you do is you get a brand new case every month. Um, they did uh, European beers they sent us before, you remember? Yes, they, they, they did. Those were good. That was delicious. Um, but they've done Korean ones, American ones, New Zealand, I think they did, South Africa. Um, uh, it's an independent British company passionate about UK craft beer scene as well of course and have continued to support uh, that industry during this difficult period if you don't like dark beer you can pick light or I guess you could pick dark you could just have dark ones I like a stout or a a porter I am stout (laughs) and I'm a porter (laughs) (laughs) and the great thing about it is if you change your mind you're not sort of locked in so you can pause, cancel, change your account at any time right so i've got one here which i have poured into 
Hey, have you got yours? I've got mine. I've got the same mine. Right, okay. Mine is called White Haze IPA. What's yours? Mine is uh, Tiny Rebels uh, Club Tropica. Tiny Rebels. Ooh, like Colonel Kurtz. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, you ready? It is a bit early in the morning. <laughs> it's a little bit early. And do you know what? Top and this is this is five point five percent as well. And, and, so. and the other thing is, top brass are in the office. Brand. They're they're outside the studio, so they're just going to think we've lost it. They are. Um, yeah. But no, we are doing this for you. It is after eleven, so that's fine. Right, I've got white. Okay, let's go for it. Five o'clock somewhere. Here we go. The yes, song goes. yes. Here we go. Right. Ooh. Hang on. Let's have a go. This is, I've had this before, and it is delicious. Have you? Yeah. Oh, oh, mine's fruit. Oh, it is. It's tropical fruit fruit flavors. Mine, I didn't realize. Well, we've we've both gone for we've both gone for a, a, a fruity one, haven't we? This is. I've had this before. I got. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I, I've got quite a, a taste for alcohol. I've, I've, yeah, I've developed a taste for alcohol. This will come as a shock to people who know me, but I've got a real taste for it now. Um, no, what I have d- developed is uh, I- I've got really got into sour beers oh. and fruity beers, which I've right. never really no. um, had before. I've sort of stayed away from a lot of those Belgian beers. I find them, you know, just a bit too heavy. This, uh, Tiny Rebels Club Tropica, and, and club is spelt with a W in the Welsh style. Um, there's an awful lot of fruit in there but there's a real um there's a, you know it's a proper uh, it's a proper sort of um you know it's an ipa basically so, yeah it's yeah. got a little bit of bitterness the fruit is well even a dullard like me can taste yeah. that there is some mango you in there and there is some peach in there Ooh, peach. um and it is it's delicious this uh tiny rebels club tropica is one of the beers that you can get from uh, beer52.com yeah and this this white here this is a o'hara's brewing which i presume is irish so where's that, that from that, that's it's, uh, oh, it's irish it's irish yeah and that is um that is also rather rather fruity and perhaps not as good as who who are the people who used to taste wine on the bbc you're more you're like Chances robinson yeah. and um yes um I can't remember. Who I the just other think one was I just think Oz Clark. Oz Clark. Oz I, Clark. Getting t- I can get him tobacco and daffodils and. Ooh. Uh, Club Tropica, a party in a can. A it party says. in a can. I was trying to read the. Uh, I was trying to read the the back of the can there. Oh, it's from Newport. Newport. There Very you good. go. So Club. Yeah. Not Newport Pagnell, where I once left my bag. I left my bag in Newport <laughs> Pagnell. That's one of Tony Bennett's greatest hits, isn't it? I left my bag in Newport Pagnell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that basically, they pick some beers for you. You may not get the ones that we've had, but I can assure you that they're all fantastic. Go to www.beer. That's the word beer. B e e r. Fifty two. That's five. The number and two. The number. Dot com forward slash new to get your first case of eight beers um just got to cover the postage 5.95 that's www.beer52.com forward slash new and i should just quietly finish this lovely beer mm. enjoy mm. go on Indeed. i'm gonna have one more bit before we talk about well you're gonna need you take a big <laughs> it's quite sm- depressing this bit isn't it <laughs> if you thought big... the previous bit was depressing <laughs> i think you should start drinking new european whiskey yes let's pause for a second while you go and get yourself a drink because oh, we it's delicious we are about to talk who'd have thought it fruit beers fruit beers we're about to talk about recession are we in a recession <clears> now <throat> we're not are we 
Well, do you know what? We have been in a recession. It's, it's hard to know, isn't it? Well, a, for those who don't know, a recession is two quarters of continuous... Um, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that V has gone right to my head. It's not gross. <laughs> I was going to say gross. It's, it's the opposite of gross. It's, what's the opposite of growth? <laughs> <laughs> what is Down... We've co- the economy has contracted. The economy it? has shrunk for two consecutive yes. quarters. That is a recession. Now, I I was banging on about this for far too long at the weekend to someone who wasn't listening about how we should be treating the debt like a war debt and all that kind of thing. So exactly that. Yeah. This is not a recession in any normal sense. If we hadn't have had lockdown and COVID, etc., we would not be in recession. The economy was doing okay. It wasn't brilliant, but it was doing okay. What is interesting, though, so the drop was 20.4%. Obviously, there's now been a huge spike, Mm. which you would expect. I mean, um, because when shops are closed, they can't take any money. When they open, they suddenly do again. It's a fairly simple simple retail. That that economics (laughs) degree really paid off, didn't it? It's incredible. <laughs> so, what's the opposite of growth again? <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, it, it's fairly simple stuff. So, that, so, in some sense, these figures don't mean a great deal. But what is interesting is the comparison between other countries who've gone through a very similar thing. And That's right. Um, so, 20.4% um, drop in GDP April to June. Uh, it was lower than that in the quarter before, obviously, but still down on the back of March being a nightmare yeah. uh, as we went into lockdown. Um, so uh, so Germany is down 10.1, EU as a whole 11.9, Italy 12.4, France 13.8. Um, don't know, really. A bit puzzled by well, that. Well, I mean, Rishi Sunak seems... Well, and he's right, isn't he? Um, he says that it's because we are... You know, we are more heavily reliant on services in our economy than anybody else. And you But know, surely if we were more reliant on manufacturing, those people wouldn't have been at work, whereas well, the service industry has, has largely been working from home. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not suggesting I'm, I know right and Rishi doesn't. I just can't quite get it, fix it in my head. Why would the service industry take a hit? Are they talking... Do they meet? I'm thinking of insurance and banking and things like that. But I, I think they, I think they're not talking about financial services. Nail bars. They, well, they're talking about pubs, pubs yeah, and restaurants, yeah, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Okay. Um, fair and um, and it does come back to, it's, it comes back to something that Mrs. Thatcher said many years ago, didn't it? Which, where she said, you know, you can't just have an economy that is based on holding the door open for somebody else, and uh, and now we are seeing that that is a, 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 it must be said that she she said that well shutting down the remains of britain's manufacturing industry that's right dear listener we are dedicating this podcast to the memory of <laughs> margaret thatcher, thatcher who <laughs> said and i shall never be allowed back in yorkshire again who said yes we can't we can't have this but i will just shut down everything <laughs> uh yeah um but yeah um and we're we're also uh, but we're also uh, We've also been hit by the fact that we've been in lockdown for longer than other people, and that is directly, 
you know, you can lay that directly at the government's door. Okay, mm-hmm. you you know, you might be able to say, well, in the last um, in the last ten years that they have been uh, that they've been in power, what have the Conservatives really? done to improve the lot of manufacturing industry in the UK and try and balance out our economy a little bit more. But you can very much say that they mishandled the lockdown. We were in lockdown longer than, than uh, other countries. We took longer to come out of it. So um, so some of it is our own fault. Yeah, yeah, I think that's... I, think I, guess, that's the, I guess the, the sort of... The hopeful thing, though, is that because we are so far behind... You know, going back to the the quote from Nigel Farage at the start, you know, I'm beginning to think that we are going to have to make some fairly embarrassing concessions to win a trade deal yeah. with the EU. We are going to have to continue to pay up. You know, I don't know about the European Court of, of Human Rights, but I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it is going to have. Um, you have appeared there. I have many <laughs> times. Yeah, I'm on again. <laughs> Headlining again. It's like Paul McCartney at Glastonbury. I was going to say it's like Bruce Forsyth on Sunday night at the London Palladium. Yeah, he's back. Um, Well, there uh, you go. There is the recession in five minutes of laughter and jollification (laughs) on the new European podcast. But that's it. But maybe that is the silver lining that we are going to have to eat some of this because the consequence of a no deal is so catastrophic as. You, I, all right-thinking people have been saying for quite a long time. Yes. Good. 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 Um, well, should we... Uh, have you got a quiz or something? I don't know. I've got a little quiz. Oh. I have got a little quiz. Well, should we do a quiz? I'll tell you what, we, didn't, we haven't even... <laughs> this is a shambles. What? Well, we didn't tell anyone this was the news. Well, it's, We didn't tell it's... anyone to get their news elsewhere as well. Oh, yeah, you can get your news we elsewhere. Did, we didn't even say that there'd be a Brexiteer of the Week. Well, we didn't tell be. anyone that Matt Matt Withers has interviewed Emma Kennedy and 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 Constance Kampfner. Yeah, Kampfner, is that right? Kampfner, yeah, Kampfner. Um, uh, who've both written on Lib Dem leadership this week, so we'll be getting that next. Yes. So keep tuned for that. Yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> to be honest, keep if you've tuned. made it this far, yeah, I um, mean, it's, it's 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 been great. I think so far. I think it's been really good. Yeah, um, just bad signposting. So if we do, and that's my fault. That's my fault. I'm sorry, listener. Please, please but do I like forgive the me. Sort of free form, freewheeling nature of it. You know. Yeah, a lot of people say that. It's like a little road trip. It's like a. Where are we going next? It's a Ooh, bit. Should we go down here? It's like. Um, oh, look, who's down here? <laughs> it's like fear and loathing. It is. Yeah. Which one are you? I think am I the Samoan attorney? The bats. I, have the got, bats. I have got a sort of Hawaiian you shirt have. on. You're the lawyer, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, there you go. And of course, I am on LSD. Yes. Well, it right certainly now. looks like it. The way you've dressed today. <laughs> what? Um, what? And um, what's with the surfboard under your arm, by the way? <laughs> um, come on, then. Let's do a quiz. Uh, I'm going to do a quiz this week. My normal column in the print edition of the New European, uh, which is available, it's a double issue this week. So it, it's, oh, it's a summer special this week. It's a summer special. Ah. It's a summer special. It's still the same price. There are oh. more pages. Oh. Oh. Uh, and instead of my regular column where I uh, name a Brexit theory of the week and then moan about something at greater length, usually about Nigel Farage yeah. um, or somebody like that, uh, this week I have delved into the lives of all 55 of 
Britain's Prime Ministers. And I've picked an interesting and amazing fact, or a couple of interesting and amazing facts, from each of them. Um, and uh, I'm going to give them to you now. Oh, okay. Um, so I tell you what, we'll do, you get you give us the questions, then we'll do Mr. Withers. Yes. And then we'll do the answers. That's good. Yeah. Okay. What are you smiling at me for? I'm, sm- I'm just smiling because <laughs> I'm not. Is it because you're drunk? It's because <laughs> I'm all hopped up on this tiny rebel club Tropica, which is really remarkable. I'm trying. Do you know what I'm Have doing? Have you lost the questions? I'm a, I've got the questions. Right. Um, Have you got the answers? I've now found the answers. Good. This is how quizzes work. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's much better when you give people the answers. Hey, do you remember back in March when the coolest thing to do was a team's quiz on oh. Saturday night? Dear, oh dear. With people you didn't like. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, Be gone, COVID. So, I've got five, right. five Prime Ministers. Right. I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you a couple of facts about each of them. Okay. Prime Minister one. According to a male secretary who saw him in the bath, this Prime Minister had the biggest organ I have ever seen. It resembled a donkey's. <laughs> He was scheduled to be interviewed by the BBC in 1935, and when the interviewer turned up, the 72-year-old former Prime Minister was found sitting in bed with a topless young woman on either side of him. Wow. That is Prime Minister One. I have to say, I've never seen a donkey playing an organ. I've got to say, if you were expecting it to be stuff like, he repealed the Corn Laws (laughs) and was regarded as one of the finest states, it's not going to be... It's more penis news, it's, It's more... PM penis news with Steve Anderson. He is. I will. I will tell you. It's a he, obviously, and he was a liberal. He was very liberal. He was a It's a. It's a he with his organ, like a donkey's, and he was a liberal prime minister in the twentieth century. A very. Those are your clues. This number two, prime minister two was a Whig Prime Minister in the 19th century. He was known for his appetites for food and spanking. He loved spanking. I've never been Prime Minister. He also loved food. He ate uh, consommes, truffles, pears, ices, which I presume is ice creams, and anchovies Mm. every day. Mm. And his wife, Caroline, had a well-publicised affair with Lord Byron. Uh, Prime Minister three... This Prime Minister married into a family fortune founded on the invention of a sheep dip. Uh, Unfortunately, the sheep dip was based on arsenic. Uh Uh, This Prime Minister feuded with the leader of Germany uh, when he left a summit uh, to answer an emergency and then was spotted shortly (laughs) afterwards at a nearby cafe eating buns. And this Prime Minister uh, was a Conservative in the 20th century. Uh, The next Prime Minister was a Liberal Prime Minister, another Liberal Prime Minister in the 20th century. Uh, He drank a bottle of claret each evening. He was the (laughs) great-grandfather of Helena Bonham Carter. And uh, his habit of uh, (coughs) drinking a bottle of claret each evening... (coughs) Just a little cough there. <clears throat> I did um, put my cough button on, but I've got um, it's a bit, I'm a bit hair fevery. Oh no! Yeah, um, he drank a bottle of claret each evening. He, to be fair, people said that he maybe sometimes 
was a little bit worse for wear in the Commons chamber, and he was given the nickname Squiffy Mm -hmm. as a result, and that is how we get the word Squiffy. I didn't know that. I didn't know that, but that's a great clue. You learn something. That is really really good. And the fifth Prime Minister, uh, uh, I really like this guy's style, Tory, 18th century. He often pretended to be asleep in the Commons to avoid conflict, which is something that I think I should try in, in meetings here. Um, you don't have to pretend. No. When I say I, I'm going to try it, I mean, I've been doing it for a while, and that's why I have these eyes painted on my um, eyelids. If the camera's not on, Steve's in bed. <laughs> um, Sometimes if the camera is on. That's right, yeah. Uh, one of the great anecdotes here... Um, and I think I got this from a book called Gimson's Prime Ministers, which I would heartily recommend. It's very, very good. Uh, this Prime Minister was asked uh, by a friend at the opera, uh, he said, can you identify that plain-looking lady in the box opposite? And the Prime Minister said, well, uh, that's my wife. And the, 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 the man, who was obviously trying to recover, said, no, 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 I, I meant the dreadful monster sitting next to her, to which the Prime Minister had to reply, that, sir, is my daughter. <laughs> so who oh, are wow. those? Who are those prime ministers? That is tough, and I can I think you know I've, a couple. I know a couple. A definitely couple of them couple. are really hard, and you're just going to have to take a stab in the dark. I know. I know. I think. Well, I definitely know one. I definitely know one. I think I know the other, but I only. But I don't know it because of my knowledge of prime ministers. I know it because of my knowledge of romantic poets. Ah. I think. Um, I'll have to guess the others, I think. There you go. Good one. There you go. All right, well, we'll be back with the answers before we do Brexit Week. But here is Matt Withers with Emma Kennedy and Constance Kampfner. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Matt Webber's here, and this week I'm joined by not one but two guests who have articles in this week's print edition about the Lib Dem leadership election, Two, Emma Kennedy is an awful uh, celebrity MasterChef winner, a Liberal Democrat, and I think, Emma, a backer of Ed Davey. Yes, uh, it was a very close-run thing for me, actually, uh, but we can get into that later if you want. We, we certainly will. Now, don't mind. Uh, and Constance Kampfner is a journalist who has written a more objective analysis of the leadership battle and why it matters in this week's paper. Hi, Constance. Hi. Uh, yeah, just to put my stake in the ground, I'm firmly pro-Labour, so this has been an interesting one for me. Okay, well, that's interesting that you, uh, d- d- that you did that. Uh, well, let me start with you. Uh, I have, in the absence of a major international football tournament this year, watched quite a few of the online hustings between Ed Davey and Leila Moran. Um, and although there are clear differences in experience and style and tone, uh, when it comes to where they want to pitch the Lib Dems, it seems to me it's quite difficult to see the fault lines. Would you agree, Constance? Yeah, I'd agree. I think, um, you know, obviously there's, I think there's two factors for that. I think one, it's trying to win over uh, the Lib Dem membership, which is further left than we might expect uh, the kind of Lib Dem voters or soft Tory voters to be. Um, I think also, you know, that's the way that we seem to be heading in these times. Um, Saying your centre left has become something of a trend. So I think it'll be interesting to see whether the candidates, either whoever wins, really hold hold up to those um, centre-left credentials. Have you seen any areas in particular, though, where you could firmly see a difference in, in policy between the two? Because I'm, I'm not convinced 
I think the differences seem to be in experience. Um, obviously, Ed Davey has all the coalition baggage with him um, to shake off, I suppose, or maybe to, to build on as well. Um, I guess their, their priorities can be different as well. We look at social care for Ed Davey. Uh, Leila Moran's experience is uh, in education, and she's been quite good, actually, on holding government to account when she has been able to on um, the terrible management of getting schools reopened and all that kind of stuff. So I think, uh, you know, the Lib Dems need to have really clear messaging. And so they both might be running on similar things, but they will have different priorities and different things that they'll keep bringing back up. Emma, at the start of this contest, I spoke to several uh, Lib Dems. In fact, the, the very last person that I interviewed in person before lockdown was uh, Mark Pack, the acting co-leader and uh, pointless quiz answer. Um, well, he, he was one of many who expressed hope that after December's result, the party needed a, a full and brutal look at its failings in the ensuing leadership election. Mm. Do you think you've had that? And separately, at what point did you decide it was Ed for you? Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to take issue with uh, the, the, the one thing that, that makes me the most sad about the Liberal Democrat situation is that we were the only party at the last election that, at, that, that well, the Tories increased their vote share by 1%, but we increased our vote share by 14%. And in some um, constituency, uh, we were increasing our vote share by, by up to 16%. So we actually did very, very well at the last election. We got millions more votes than we have ever got before. What stymies us is the electoral system, which is very much against us. And if, it, if we had De Hunt, then uh, we would now have 70 MPs. But we haven't got that. We've still got first past the post. So number one, I don't think the Liberal Democrats should hang their heads and think, what did we do wrong that was so terrible? We actually did very, very well. And I think if we hadn't have had the revoke policy, which turned out to be completely toxic and backfired massively, I suspect we would have done a lot better um, uh, uh, as well. Uh, so that, so number one, um, we didn't do as badly as uh, sort of everyone is being led to believe we actually did very well. Uh, number two, we are now in a very firm second place in 91 seats across the southeast. And this was the factor that uh, swung it for me between Ed and Layla, because I absolutely love Layla. I absolutely love her. And if she gets it, I will be, you know, just as happy as with Ed. But he pipped it for me because I think sometimes you have to have a dose of reality and you have to stop and think, OK, the Lib Dems are always going to vote Lib Dem. We're not going after Lib Dem voters because they're quite a solid hardcore unit and they're, they're, they're pretty much, unless you're being forced to tactically vote, they're not going to vote for anybody else other than probably Labour or Green. Um, so our core vote is always going to be there. They're not going to drift off anywhere. Now, uh, with Jeremy Corbyn uh, at the head of Labour, I think we were looking at, well, okay, where are our going to voters come from? Where are other voters going to come from? And they were, we, we were scooping up Remainer Labour uh, voters. But moving forward, and especially with Keir in charge, those Labour voters are probably going to stick with Keir. He's competent. Um, he's on top of things. 
um, and he's not he, he, he's not a divisive character. He he is your straight down the line, very experienced um, uh, leader, and he and he will probably do much much better at the next election. So you have to say to yourself, okay, where are our extra voters going to come from? And they're probably going to be soft Tories. That's that's where we now have to look to pick up votes. And I think on balance. Ed is better placed to do that than Layla, and that was how I made my choice. Constance, wearing your uh, light Labour hat, uh, not literally, um, some people can be quite sniffy about this leadership election, but one person who won't be is the aforementioned Keir Starmer, and you've written about how he will almost certainly need the Lib Dems to get Labour into power next time around. Yeah, I think um, there's a bit of a misconception that the Lib Dems do better when there's more of a polarising Labour Party. Uh, that's not actually true. Uh, the Lib Dems tend to do better when Labour has more of a centrist leader um, because in the last election, quite a lot of people felt nervous about uh, Jeremy Corbyn getting into power. They thought, well, better vote Tory. You know, I'm not going to waste my vote on the Lib Dems or, or whatever it was. Um, so, you know, I think there is room for, for both parties to work together at the next election. Um, and I think there's been a lot of bad blood between the two parties in the last few years that does both of them harm. I mean, I was uh, canvassing for Labour in Finchley and Golders Green, for example. Um, and there it was really frustrating because you had these kind of infamous dodgy bar charts being put out by the Lib Dems saying that it was a two horse race between them and the Tories, whereas actually uh, in 2017 it was a couple of thousand votes between, between the Labour and Tory candidate. Uh, so I got a lot of people on the doorstep telling me they were going to be tactically voting Lib Dem. And I mean, the, what was the result? You know, we ended up with uh, the Labour Lib Dem vote split and with a with a Tory MP. So I think that who, the Lib who, came, who came second in uh, in your constituency? And that's not my constituency. But yeah, no, I, I appreciate the fact that Lib Dems came second. But, okay. no, but this but because this I'm going to take issue about the bar charts. Because we had the same problem here in Surrey Heath, that we were criticised for putting out bar charts that were based on uh, canvassing. And they were based on the data that we were getting on the doorstep, which put us very clearly ahead of Labour. Now, if you go back to the 2017 um, election and you based your electoral data on that election, it was, it was a, a false equivalence because it was an entirely different set of circumstances. The Lib Dems were hammered in 2017, and, and they, they, they sort of spent a long time being punished and in the wilderness for going into a coalition. Some would say rightly so. Um, but to suggest that, that, that the Lib Dems were making up stuff in order to get Labour voters to vote Lib Dem, I, won't, I can't accept that, sorry. I don't know about making up. I find it misleading, however. Well, it wasn't misleading because the Lib Dems came second, didn't they? Well, this doesn't bear well for any future <laughs> collaboration between the two parties. Uh, before we wrap up, Emma, you've written into week's paper an effective wish list for the new leader, yes. whoever that is. Uh, people can buy that now uh, for £3, a pound a wish, uh, but just give us a flavour of what you want to see. I think number one for me is electoral reform. Uh, I don't think uh, Labour uh, are ever going to get into power without it, uh, to be honest. I think it, first past the post is, is 
is way beyond its use by date. It is not the sort, I, I, I find it completely undemocratic that we can have a situation where an MP uh, wins a constituency with 30% of the vote, but what that actually means is that 70% of the votes are thrown in the bin. Um, I don't believe that anyone on the centre or the left should spend every election agonising about who they want to tactically vote for. Everybody should be able to vote for the party that they want to vote for. And if that means letting in uh, people like UKIP or Brexit Party into the Parliament, then so be it. Because when people do not feel represented, you get things like Brexit. So that's number one. Massive uh, overhaul of our electoral system. Um, number two, in terms of what our position should be on Europe, um, I don't think we should uh, start sort of, you know, sounding the klaxon for rejoin. I think a sensible policy, well, we, we have to wait and see what the situation is in January and in terms of, of whether we have no deal or whether the, the, Brit the British government have caved on certain issues, but we'll see where we are. But I don't expect us to be... Uh, fully paid up members of the single market in January. I think the single market is the best bit of the EU. I think that's the bit that um, is the best for businesses and for jobs. And I think we need to start shouting about it. And I think we need to start shouting about freedom of movement being a brilliant right, both economically and culturally. Um, and um, you know, that those are my two main clarion calls. But the third one is working out what we're going to do with Labour. Do we talk to them about a coalition agreement going into the next election? But I think if we haven't got electoral reform, which we almost certainly we won't do by the time of the next election, we need to work out with Labour how we're going to work together. Just before you go then, um, and very briefly, let's have a prediction as to the result. Uh, Constance, how do you see it going? I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, Ed Davey is the bookie's favourite. I've heard that Leila Moran is really popular amongst the grassroots and younger voters. I mean, the Lib Dems' problem is that they don't actually have enough money to, to do a proper poll right now. Um, so I guess this one is hard to call. You know, we'll see. Whoever it is, I think they've got a really mammoth task ahead of them. Um, but, you know, as I said, Labour leads, needs the Lib Dems, and I hope whoever it is succeeds. Emma, you're supporting Ed. You are uh, expecting a victory? I, I think he is going to get it, yes. But, you know, I've, I've been wrong every single election for a very long time. So, you know, I didn't think Donald Trump was going to get in. <laughs> not, not that Layla is Donald Trump, especially <laughs> the imagination. You just um, need to I, clarify I, that. <laughs> I suspect it will be Ed. But if, you know what? If it's Layla, I will be equally pleased. Well, I've... Um publicly humiliated myself on national radio before on one of these, but I suspect it will be aired reasonably comfortably, but uh, we shall see. Uh, um, both those articles are in this week's paper, the bumper summer special. So if you have any interest in the Lib Dem leadership, uh, and frankly, if you don't, how you've got this far into the podcast is fascinating, given we've already used the word to haunt, uh, do pop out and buy it now. Thank you, Emma and Constance. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Brexiteer of the week. Welcome back. Thank you, Matt. That was very insightful as always. Now as we need ever. to do we need to do the quiz answers and then we'll do Brexiteer of the Week. Yes. So go go for it. 
Stevie Ang. Okay, so Stevie who Ang. who was the the prime minister? Who was the uh, prime minister? The liberal prime minister of the nineteen uh, of the twentieth century, rather. Obviously, the early in the twentieth century, who had the biggest uh, organ I have ever seen. It resembled a donkey's. I'm just trying to think of how many liberal prime ministers there were in the twentieth century. There can't have been many. Well, there are two of them on this list. Oh. So. Oh God. I've got a complete. But the the penis is not helping me. <laughs> oh, this stuck oh, in your mind. Doesn't you know, it? when you said you were doing it on PMs, I thought, oh, I'm going to get a five, but I'm I'm just not. I just don't know. Um, I just I, honestly, I have no idea. It's Lord George, David Lord George. <laughs> uh, now you think? I think you you one? said you said. Who is the other Liberal Prime I can't even think of the Liberal Prime Minister. Well, you'll get it because you'll get it from the clue. Uh, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. You yeah, will yeah, get it. Yeah, from, yeah you yeah, will yeah, get yeah, that one yeah, from the clue. That's your that, banker. Yeah. But I think you know That's this one as well. So, who was the who was known for his appetites for food and spanking, and his wife, Lady Caroline, uh, Lady Caroline Lamb, wasn't it? Who had yeah. a well publicised affair with uh, Lord Byron. So, the, I, I, I know this because I studied um, the romantic he was a poets. Wig. And uh, so this, um, it is definitely Lamb. I think, is it William Lamb? I it th- is William I don't know. He was Viscount Melbourne, though, yeah. Okay. So, I think um, it's William, yeah. but yes. Yeah, so he's sometimes Lord Melbourne. He's sometimes, I mean, <coughs> his real, his title was Viscount That's Melbourne. It. Melbourne, yeah. Um, third, married into a family fortune based on the invention of sheep dip. Uh, sheep dip um, that was a quick recovery, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm still thinking about Lord George. <laughs> Welcome to Penis Pod with Stephen <laughs> Dickey. <laughs> Donkeys and their sheep. Um, he ba- married into a family fortune founded on the invention of sheep dip based on arsenic. I mean, this is and again. snubbed by a bun-eating German. This again is a guess. Uh, I'm just going to go Heath. It's Margaret Thatcher. Oh, is it really? It is Margaret Eating Thatcher. Buns? I don't know that story. Uh, Helmut Cole excused himself, said, oh, no, I'm, I've got an emergency call. Somebody came in. And oh, then, I've misread it. I thought you meant they went out and oh, had no, buns. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, Richard, And then you... when they were, uh, it, I think it, I think they were actually in Munich or somewhere like that. They might have been in Switzerland. But anyway, on the way to the airport, oh, I'm terribly sorry to lose you, Helmut. We'll just wrap <laughs> things up here. And then outside. in the ministerial, as the Prime Minister, car drove to the airport she spotted him outside a cafe eating a bun oh dear uh, well gone. this is much more pleasant than dealing with that woman now uh, who is the liberal prime minister um excuse me that was a that little is, noise, that, that is texting you uh, who is texting me now from beyond the grave liberal prime minister <clears> known <throat> as squiffy for his habit of drinking a bottle of claret each evening Oh, well, that's Asquith. I didn't realise that Squiffy meant that, though. That's really cool, good, isn't, isn't it? it? That's yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah. And then finally, uh, he pretended to be asleep in the Commons to avoid conflict uh, when a man said, who is that dreadful monster uh, that I've spotted at the opera? He said, that, sir, is my daughter. Um, c- give us a clue. What, what century? A t- he's a Tory uh, PM of the 18th century. Oh, I don't, I don't know, Steve. I don't know. Of course, it's Lord North. Lord North. Lord North, which is a title that I feel I should have. 
there you go. He, Lord North, also a very ugly man, apparently. He, he, um, his wife, his his wife and his daughter were both ugly. Oh dear! And, and he actually said um, to the to the, the the embarrassed man, he said, "I think we're one of the ugliest families in <laughs> London." So you're all is forgiven. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, well, there you go. Well, that was poor for me, wasn't it? Can we do Scotland again next week? <laughs> yeah, we can do. We'll get Ian Dunn back on. Um, I'll tell you what, before we get to Brexit, Well, that was good. You got, you got, you got three, didn't you? <coughs> two. Oh, no, you got two. <clears throat> two, but I should have got Thatcher. I should have got... I didn't... Oh, what an idiot. Um, I'll tell you what, before we get to Brexit here, because people like this, what have you been watching, what have you been listening to, what have you been... I've been, um, well... I have just finished. Um, I've just finished a book. Another can of another can <laughs> tiny of rebel tiny rebels club tropica. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, you're like one of those racist mice in uh, Speedy Gonzales. <laughs> oh you are. Dear me, uh, surely not. Actually, the rice, um, the mice weren't racist. No, they weren't. No, I tell you what, I've finished. I've finished two really good crime books. One of them is, I think, it is. Uh, I think they're both fairly recent. One of them is set in Scotland. It's by a guy called Alan Parks. It's the third in a series, um, and it's called Bobby March Will Live Forever, and it's about, um, well, it's obviously, it's about a missing girl. There is a lot of uh, musical references to it. It is uh, That is really good. <coughs> I also have just finished, I finished this last night, a book by uh, a guy called, I think he's called Scott Phillips, and it is co- he is called Scott Phillips, and it is called That Left Turn at Albuquerque, which obviously um, is something Bugs Bunny used to say, isn't it? Do you remember he used to pop up, and uh, Elmer Fudd would be there, or Yosemite yep. Sam, and yep. he'd say, oh, I knew I shouldn't have made that left turn at Albuquerque. Uh. Um, and that is a Carl Hyacinth-style caper, Um, It involves lawyers, uh, forged paintings. It is really good and really funny. Uh, So check those both out. Um, I can't think, what have I I been listening to? We'll have to do that next time. But I want to recommend... There's um, a reason to tune in next week. Oh, it's Throbbing Gristle. It will be that again, yeah. I want to to recommend (laughs) um, a film called The Florida Project. Have you watched this? It's on all four at the moment. It was on film four the other night. It is about a six-year-old girl who is living in poverty with her mum in a block of um, a block of flats very near Disney World in Florida. Um, it is absolutely out of the, the very top draw. It's very it's very reminiscent of American Honey. Um, which is a, a, a great film about um, people who live on the sort of the edge um, in America that, that Andrea Arnold made. It's really, really good. This film. I also th- uh, watched uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon on Netflix, which is about a guy with Down syndrome who runs into a. Um, this is the Sheila Booth. It's fantastic, <clears throat> and what a great performance by um, by the kid and by uh, Sheila Booth is in you know, And I supposedly mean, the, these two and, and Sheila Booth, you know, <laughs> not sure about that chap particularly, but yeah, yeah. I think when when he's good, he's actually he's really great. good, and he, when he's bad, my yeah, God, yeah, he's yeah. bad. But, he is bad. Yeah. Um, but the, the two of them got this had this incredible relationship on set and have. 
remained like really good yeah, yeah, pals, yeah. and I think yeah, it is. It's great, yeah. And then I really enjoyed um, on Sky Atlantic. I really enjoyed of Mike's and Men, which is the Wu Tang Clan documentary. Yeah. I've only watched the first episode, but I, I think, like. It. I think it's it's a four parter. I think it it's probably would have been a better three-parter. Right. But since since Wu-Tang Forever, the second album was a double album that should have been a single <laughs> album, I think that's almost quite fitting. I like th- I like seeing these guys very much in their middle age. I think he's nice, isn't it? They're all sort of sat it's in great. a cinema, they're aren't they? They're sat in a cinema, yeah. And you can see them sometimes thinking, oh, God, what was I thinking? I it's, re- it's really nice, it actually. Is good. For one of the most notorious um, bands of the last 50 years, it's nice to see that they've pretty much settled down. Yeah. <laughs> They're, I mean, they're, you know, they're they're, uh, they're they're extraordinary people, um, and there's, you know, there's obviously the the, the, sta- the sad story of ODB. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is. Um, I dare say, if he had still be with us, he would have been sat in that theatre, probably causing something of a ruckus in yes, the back. Yes, he would have yeah, brought the yeah. ruckus. He would have brought um, the ruckus. Indeed. I want to mention a, a couple of other things before we talk about idiots uh, and Brexiteers, um, which is that. Just it's just come on Amazon Prime. If you've got Amazon Prime, a film called which you know lots of people will be familiar with, but Poor Cow, which is really superior. It's sort of kitchen sinky. Um, it's made in the made in the sort of the late nineteen sixties, um, and it's got Carol White in it. It's a fantastic performance. So Poor Cow, which has got Carol White and Terence Stamp in it. Ah, um, yes, I know that. Yes, uh, I've seen that. It's, it, it's, a, it's a great movie, and that has just come on Amazon Prime, but I'm mentioning it because just leaving Amazon Prime um, is a film called The Limey. It's a Steven Soderbergh film. It's got Terrence Stamp in it. It's sort of a bit like... Um, oh, yes. A, an American version of, of Get Carter. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. goes... He's an English gangster who I think has been released <clears> from prison. He goes to America to find out what has happened to his daughter. In it, there are flashbacks scenes um that uh, steven soderberg has lifted from poor cow so ah. if you can watch the two of them together it's really fascinating oh, that's interesting i was terrence stamp i mean i could watch that that guy all day it's there's a really good um it's a shame sky, he's not made more films sky know? arts do a documentary series called discovering and then it's uh, an actor and the terrence stamp one is some of them are a bit like me but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the but the terrence stamp one's really really good and it mentions the limey in that and i haven't seen it oh, it's terrific but, um, yeah absolutely too terrific top draw terrence stamp what a, what a star what have you been watching uh well I've, do you know what i've been mainly watching um uh reruns of nfl games when i get to this time of year i start getting excited about the nfl we've got no pre-season this year there's no pre-season is, which is a pretty good is it, thing is really. the nfl season gonna happen i don't know Steve, i don't know i'm nervous i'm, I'm very, very nervous i'm very nervous well i think only um 60 odd 60 70 players have uh, sitting the season out yeah now you've got to think that the, that. Now would, that sounds like quite a lot. Yeah, but, but the rosters are fifty-two, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. So, the, so it, 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 it's a t- it's a team worth, um, and I think some of those players have got very big concerns about family members, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and some of them are probably just thinking it's probably better for my career if I sit this year out or whatever. I don't know, um, but there you go. Um, so I've been so last night I watched the Philly Special Super Bowl. Oh wow! Yeah, which is a, a that classic, was great. an absolute classic. Um, so that's mainly what I've been doing. I've been listening to um, a lot of... I've been coughing a lot. You've been coughing a lot. <coughs> Tickling my throat. Um, I tell you what, pass me some of that IPA. Um, I've been I've been listening to er, really early pulp, like Masters Ooh. of the Universe and um, good. intro and stuff like that. And 
I, you'll remember my first purchase pretty much in lockdown, my first lockdown treat was... Was what? My stylophone, oh, super-duper stylophone with the synth. That's right, yeah. Um, and Jarvis uses it constantly on those early on that early bit. So I've been trying to figure out some of the some of the bits and do do that on my stylophone. Um, oh and I think and the the album Jar Jarv is album is actually pretty is good. It good. It's pretty good for someone who's that deep into their career. And Paul performed the year I was born. That's by amazing. the way, um, it, is it, that right? It, yeah, yeah. Um, um, it is it is extraordinary that he's still doing stuff that is is worth a listen and uh, you know and is interesting. Good so old check, Jarvis. Check those out. He's a national treasure, <clears throat> isn't he? He's brilliant. I love him to bits. Yeah, Absolutely he's fun. very good. He's very good. I'll tell you what. I've just realised the the album that I've listened to a lot um, this week is um, uh, the Delta Suite by Bobby Gentry has been re released. There are extra tracks on it. Last year. Uh, Mercury Rev did a, a version of the Delta Suite. It was really <coughs> brilliant. It had a, a lot of um, guest singers on people like Beth Orton. Uh, it was particularly good. Now they've re-released the the the, um, the the album, which I mean, I guess most people uh, either don't know who Bobby Gentry is or, or know, but will know the song "Ode to Billy Joe." Um, which is not on the Delta Suite, but there, it, there's some continuation of that story. It, it is a fantastic, it's a beautiful, beautiful album. And this re-release, it sounds amazing, and the, the bonus tracks are great as well, so check that out. And also, mention of Mercury Rev there, I remember dashing out to buy Deserter Songs. Oh, what when, an album. When it came out. I was too young. I was too young for Deserter Songs, because it would have been about 97, 98, I guess. It's terrific. And I listened to it, and I went... Well, I get yeah. Goddess on a Highway. I get that's good, but the rest of it I just can't yeah. get. It's no the sleeper. The bottleneck. <laughs> yeah. The what is it? There's something bottleneck storm. I was just like, yeah. I don't and then about five years later, I thought oh, I'll just give this another listen, and went, ah, that's tremendous. I what get it. I get it. It's a brilliant album. Brilliant. They're a great band. Anyway. Anyway, uh, from from the sublime to the ridic. Yeah. Uh, the Brexiteers of the week, here they are. Um, Chris Philp is one of them. Do you know who Chris Philp is? Uh, yeah. Good. Okay, that's it. <laughs> I just don't like the cut of his jib. I just thought I'd mention him. No, he is an immigration minister. Um, he did that brilliant thing. He got his. He was talking about. Um, uh, Britain and France having talks about the migrant dinghy uh, crisis, uh, and he said um, he said uh, France and Germany are working together in the spirit of cooperation. He obviously meant to say France and Britain, and he said, "Can we do that last bit again?" As I got muddled up, and I said, "No, no, we're, we're actually live on air." Have it, you seen the Have you seen it? Where, have you seen the Prescott one? I've not seen the Prescott one. Prescott starts, and then he goes, "Oh." F, can we start again? And he goes, I'm sorry, Mr Prescott, we're live. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the great things, isn't it? I mean, you know, people who like sport will have seen the... But if you've not seen it, check out the Eddie Hearn one on, on Sky Sports from a couple of weeks ago where they are, where they are you know, bigging up a, a weigh-in and, uh, you know, in a couple of a couple of hours, these two are going to be weighing in once again and boxing is back after the coronavirus and here we go with Eddie Hearn and Eddie Hearn who's the promoter stumbles over and says Shamon Muddy, Muddy Funster although he doesn't say Muddy Funster and the, the man has to say apologies for that language we are live on air 
and it, it, absolutely magnificent. Um, Isabel <laughs> Oakshot. Eddie Hearn's put a boxing ring in his garden, hasn't he? He has basically put a boxing ring in his what garden. What a man. Yeah, what a man. Uh, <clears throat> Isabel Oakshot, uh, who has featured in this section many times before, uh, she was kicking off about a government video on social media about how to wear a mask. Mm. Uh, a lot of people obviously wearing masks with uh, the nose out. Yes, which I've been told is akin to wearing underpants with your penis hanging out. There's yes, been so exactly. many references to, the, the, it's a to the member. It's a heavy uh, <laughs> podcast this week. Sorry about that. Uh, she says, beyond patronising, we don't need to be shown how to wear a mask. Coronavirus has in- infantilised this nation. A guy called Nick Poole mm. repl- replied on Twitter. He said, I don't think that's exactly right because early in the pandemic, I saw a bloke who'd cut a hole in his face mask. <laughs> so he, he was that smoking was, through it. To which she, she replied, maybe he was asthmatic. <laughs> and, you know, I think he, he actually saw the cigarette being put through the hole it did remind me maybe he was asked it did remind me of this story and i wasn't present but it is a good story and um a, a, a friend of mine was traveling um with his father um and with a, another guy and his father a bit of a a bit of a rogue two people that i used to work with um and um they coming back from america i think and as they landed in the uk the the pilot said what they always say uh please do not you know we're just about to touch down please do not stand up until uh and get your bags out until we've completed our taxi and we're back at the stand um at which point the the guy's dad <coughs> got up and started fiddling around in the bins getting his suitcase out and the, the man in the row uh who he'd nudged forward uh said um he said excuse me you know didn't you hear that? And the, the, bloke, the guy's dad said, no, I didn't. And he said, well, it's clear as day. And he said, well, I might be deaf. And he said, well, you're responding to what I'm saying to you now, so you're plainly not deaf. And my friend's dad said, well, I could be lip reading. Um, so maybe he, maybe he's asthmatic, maybe I could be lip reading. Andrew Roberts is a Brexiteer of the week. He is a historian. He says that we should join a superpower alliance with Australia, Canada, New Zealand. Uh, it would be called Kanzuk. Um, it would give. Uh, it would become then. It would. It would go past Japan. Um, um, into uh, uh, we would then be in fourth place, basically on. Uh, the list of world superpowers. But the problem with that really is that Japan's not really a superpower, is it? The superpowers are the USA, which has got a GDP of 20.1 trillion, China, which has got a a, a GDP of 14.1 trillion. Um, We would have, if we joined in with Australia, Canada, New Zealand, we would have a a, a GDP of 5.1 trillion. Um, There is one other superpower, isn't there? that we could join in with and it is the eu which has got a gdp of 18.7 trillion and is a bit nearer um than <laughs> australia canada and new zealand so thanks for that but the brexiteer of the week and i meant to make him the brexiteer of the week last week is sir jim ratcliffe right because i don't think we've talked about this enough he is britain's richest man yeah although he's got about 20 billion he's worth yeah um he runs Ineos, the chemical firm. Uh, he, I think he actually was Britain's richest man. Now he, he's 
or, or maybe he's not moved there yet. He announced last year that he was going to leave Britain mm-hmm. uh, and go to Monaco, which people said that's a bit weird because weren't you a massive Brexiteer? And of course, Ineos were the ones that said we supported the common market, but not a United States of Europe. Jim Ratcliffe was one of the few business people in the referendum who said no, it'll be it'll all be fine. He said we've got a decent set of cars. Mercedes will never stop selling cars in the UK, um, and did all of that kind of stuff. Recently, Jim Ratcliffe. Uh, announced that he was going to build a 4x4 in the manner of the old classic 4x4, the Defender. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It was going to be called the Grenadier. Right. First of all, it was going to um, uh, uh, put 10,000 new jobs in the UK. Then it was going to uh, create 500 new jobs in Bridgend. Um, Guess where in the UK um, it's going to be built now? Oh, well, I would say... um, uh, Halifax. It's going to be built entirely in France. Oh. All the parts are going to be made in Portugal, right. apart from the engines, which are going to be made in Germany. <laughs> Sounds like a good car, though. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's got a German engine. It's it does sound like a good car, yeah, but it's not very uh, patriotic. But they've decided uh, <laughs> that the project would be cheaper by tens of millions of pounds. Yeah. Um, if they just cooperate yeah, with yeah. the EU That's weird. instead. It's weird you've mentioned Monaco there, because I've, I reckon Monaco is probably quite Brexity. Do you think it is quite I reckon Brexity? it is, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like rich Costa del Sol, and Yes. It? Just Brexity. Well, yes, also Singapore, um, where um, I think... Um, I think a woman called... Vic- I think she's called Victoria Freeman... Um, we used a lovely uh, picture that she had taken. I think her husband uh, uh, and her were out in Singapore and uh, they saw an Aston Martin with the number plate Brexit. Oh, wow. Um, and Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there you go. Um, so that was it. Jim Ratcliffe is the Brexiteer of the week. There you go. Well, what a fine pod this has been. I loved it. Young Stephen. And the sun is still shining outside so we can skip off merrily to uh, I'm, I'm presuming you're planning some kind of barbecue on the beach while well, in this attire, while I, yeah. I play acoustic guitar around a around a fire. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It'd be lovely. We yeah. could drink some more of these beers from oh. our friends at Beer Fifty Two. Yes. Um, what should the listener do right now? Well, if you've enjoyed this podcast as much as we have, then I would uh, love you to subscribe. Uh, leave a great review on your podcatcher of choice, especially important if you're listening um, via uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And we should do some reviews soon. Yeah, we should definitely we should. read some reviews. We out should. So we will. We will do that. Let's try and do that next week. Yeah. Please buy the print edition of the New European in shops now. Double issue, three pounds. If you go to the New Europeans website. Uh, you could get 13 issues for £20 and you get a Remainer passport holder for free. Go to tneshop.co.uk, tneshop.co.uk, and you can buy um, face masks. Yeah, Uh, some of them have got holes in for cigarettes. Yeah, they they don't. (laughs) Uh, They say rejoin on them, they say Remainer on them, they've got the uh, EU flag and the EU flag and the Union Jack, lots of different designs, tneshop.co.uk. Join our Facebook readers group. Yeah. Talk to other New European yeah. fans. Uh, and follow the New European on Twitter, at the New European. Follow me on Twitter, <coughs> at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Or you can follow me, at Porritt, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. That's it, folks.
Or that's what Bugs Bunny used to say, didn't he? Yeah. That's all, folks. Should never have made that left turn at Albuquerque. Indeed. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, and uh, if you can't live without us, you can always go back and listen to old podcasts. Yeah. A lot of people have been doing that, you know. They've been hitting me up on Twitter. Yeah. Asking me how... There was one chap very kindly asked me how my hand was. Oh, okay. Last week on Twitter. I can tell you that um, it seems okay now. It seems fine now. I had a little it? fall in November. Yeah. Um, and there was much concern. Do you know what? I didn't go see a doctor. I know lots of you told me I should. I didn't go to A&E. It did balloon up. It looked like I was wearing a boxing glove for about three weeks. <laughs> um, but I battled through. That was stupid of me, though, kids. If you're hurt or injured, go and see a doctor. Don't be... <laughs> don't be <laughs> Be macho like me. This has been a public service <laughs> announcement by the New European Podcast. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be macho. I'm just I've not actually got a doctor yet. I've not got a GP. Well, get one. <laughs> I know I should. Kids, go and get a doctor and get a dentist while you're at it. <laughs> there wasn't much rambling this week until the very end. Until of the, the very podcast. end. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. The printed product is on sale now. Go and buy it. It's a double, double summer special issue. You can take it to the beach with you. You might see me and Steve down there. We will be back next week. Mr. Campbell, play your bagpipes. Here you go.